Some chapters in this novel involve graphic depictions of sexual assault and abuse. If you or anyone you know need help, please contact RAIN, the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline. 800-656-HOPE. HOPE is 4673. More information can be found at www.online.rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N.org. This novel is not endorsed by or affiliated with RAIN, but they are doing amazing work every day for survivors and offer a multitude of useful resources. No one deserves to suffer in silence. No one should ever be ignored. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episode 66 Chapter 60 Chad Miles I'm going to say something that I'm not allowed to say. But I gotta be real. I don't believe these motherfuckers. I do not believe it. But let me qualify the statement. I, I am what's known on the streets as a victim blamer. You know what I mean? If somebody come up to me like, Dave, Dave, Chris Brown just beat up Rihanna. I'll be like, well, what did she do? Michael Jackson was molesting children. Well, what were those kids wearing at the time? <laughs> I don't think he did it. But you know what? Even if he did do it, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's Michael Jackson. I know more than half the people in this room have been molested in their lives. But it wasn't no goddamn Michael Jackson, was it? Fuck you, Dave Chappelle. You know, there's a lot of reasons victims stay quiet. And it's rhetoric like this that makes it difficult. Now, there is a contingency of people out there that are all too happy to say, it's just comedy, and say, you just don't understand it, or you just don't get it. There are a lot of people that are willing to write off jokes as just that, jokes. As if every single joke ever told doesn't actually mean anything, or isn't actually trying to make a point. And the thing is, I don't buy that Dave Chappelle is just joking, any more than he thinks Michael Jackson is innocent. I think he perpetuates a dangerous set of beliefs and a dangerous attitude towards sexual violence. He goes on to say that he doesn't think Michael Jackson did anything to any kids, 
Because Macaulay Culkin says Jackson never did anything to him. As though one person that isn't a victim is somehow a telltale sign of innocence. Maybe Culkin was spared because he was too famous. Maybe Jackson just saw too much of a risk in doing anything to a star that big. You know? Because if a star that big said something, well, he might be believed. And Dave Chappelle might actually believe him. And who's going to believe the other, more insignificant people? And I'm not calling those people insignificant, I'm just saying that seems to be the way Dave Chappelle sees them. As insignificant. Not worthy of his trust. Reinforcing the idea that the rich, famous, and powerful should get a free pass is also pretty fucked up. The idea that victims of assault should almost be grateful for what they've endured because they endured it at the hands of someone famous is also pretty fucked up. Assault is assault is assault. If Dave Chappelle came to me and punched me in the face, I wouldn't think, well, at least it was Dave Chappelle that hit me, not that dick, Ryan Schultz. Chappelle's idea that Jackson should get a pass for simply being Michael Jackson or writing Cosby off as someone that, yeah, he rapes, but he also saves, is fucking gross. I'll admit. I've said horrible things in the past. I've made bad, sometimes regrettable jokes while hanging out with my friends and seeking cheap laughs. In my younger years. I'm 40 right now. So, despite what my children might think, I'm not super old. So, I'm talking about things I might have said mainly in my teens and 20s. When I was young and stupid, or younger and more stupid, and I look back at some of those stupid things I've said, and I wonder how I could have ever thought the way I did. And sometimes I feel deeply regretful. I'm not an influential person. Certainly not on the scale of a celebrity, anyway. Hardly on the scale of an ordinary guy. Dave Chappelle is influential. When he jokes about children having the privilege of being assaulted by Michael Jackson, when he tells the world that Cosby is a savior, when he implies that the rich and powerful should get a free pass because of their stature, people listen. Again, there are a lot of reasons victims don't come forward. There are a lot of reasons why a predator might attack one person, but not another. It's crazy to think that this self-proclaimed victim-blamer once got Netflix to remove Chappelle's show from their service, because seeing it there, quote, 
made him feel bad. Because when he was younger, he was the victim of a predatory contract that didn't work in his favor. Just think about that for a moment. He felt bad because he was a victim. He felt bad because he was a victim. And it wasn't even the brutality of a sexual assault. Chappelle's show is currently streaming on Netflix, by the way, because he was able to use his celebrity status to get a great big paycheck from Comedy Central. Now, do we really believe a big, famous, and powerful network would ever do anything wrong, though? I mean, think of all the other shows and performers they've supported. I've never heard Jon Stewart complain about getting a raw deal from them. And really, if they didn't take advantage of him, how can we be sure they ever took advantage of Chappelle? Nah, I'm kidding. If Chappelle says he was a victim, I believe him. And I would believe that a large company or a sneaky agent might seek to take advantage of a young comedian. And I suppose if you want to throw race in there, too, maybe they thought they could get away with it because he was a young black comedian. I don't like him, but I believe him. Well, that was a rant just waiting to happen. I was a fan of Chappelle back in the day. He lost me with the whole Cosby rapes but saves business. So let's let's move on. Here we are again. Gathering here in this little corner of the internet. Here to analyze and discuss what I said in the previous chapter. You know, sometimes these aftermath episodes are less than fruitful. Sometimes they're just summaries of chapters, because sometimes the chapters are small or don't really contain a lot of food for thought. Like the previous Friends and Captors chapter, for instance. It didn't offer much. It wasn't full of symbolism or theology or anything deep. And the Aftermath episode for that one certainly reflected that. This week, however, while the chapter is short, it is deep. There is a lot to say. There is a reason to sit here and speak in a somber tone, and a reason to be upset by the stupid shit Dave Chappelle says. This week we're talking about Chad Miles. While this one isn't graphic, it is heartbreaking, and it's difficult to listen to, or difficult to read. At least it is to me, anyway. 
This chapter finds Dorothy telling Chad that Miles raped her. She steps out of the darkness that is sexual assault in search of some kind of comfort. Or at least some kind of understanding. Or maybe even just a little bit of trust and belief. What she gets, however, is nothing of the sort. She gets a cold response of disbelief from the one person she thought she could turn to. She gets a twisted narrative, pushed by a monster. Chad tells Dorothy that Miles has already told him what happened. And Miles' version of the story is vastly different than Dorothy's. According to Miles, Dorothy was about to be taken advantage of by some college student. And Miles stepped in, taking a punch to the face, and Dorothy was so grateful that one thing simply led to another. And everything was consensual and fine. Dorothy is appalled by this story and asks Chad for a little bit of trust in her favor. For whatever reason, Chad can't bring himself to side with her. That's uh, not a great choice of words. I would say he can't bring himself to believe her. But who's to say he doesn't believe her? Maybe on some level he does, but he can't bring himself to admit it. A certain type of denial. Or maybe Dorothy is right about his flat-out refusal to believe her. Maybe it's sexism. Maybe it's that girls or women can't be trusted when there's a man involved. Maybe it's just so hard to believe that he can't believe it. Maybe he doesn't know what to think, so he chooses Miles over Dorothy. Or maybe it's because Miles came to him first. There's a lot of reasons why he might not believe her. There's a lot of reasons why people might not believe victims. I'm not saying any of them are good, and I'm not defending them. But sometimes, people will justify their beliefs any way they can. Dorothy cycles through a series of scenarios here, imagining a world where she went to the authorities, a doctor, or M and Henry. The impact those choices would have on her. She's already seen by many around town as a little girl that needs to be pitied, even though she isn't a little girl that needs to be pitied. A police report would only add to that image, and it would further impact the way the community sees her. It might even draw the ire of a vengeful Miles, a disturbed young man who might just seek retaliation. He did, after all, tell her, if he could do it once, he could do it twice. 
and he wasn't going anywhere. A dangerous predator, always lying in wait. She imagines everyone in town shifting from the pity she hates to something worse. Miles is known around the community as a good, stand-up citizen. And even though Dorothy has been in Sterling most of her life, she's an outsider compared to Miles. She's an outsider compared to Miles' parents. The girl with a troubled past versus a bright young man? Is it so hard to believe that a line would be drawn and sides would be taken? And is it so hard to believe that more people would take the side of Miles? She imagines the potential gossip, the potential rumors of how she was probably asking for it, or somehow deserving of being assaulted through her own reckless actions. Being a victim is hard, and the trauma would be compounded by the added victimization and cruelty of those passing judgment on her. This is only part of why people sometimes don't speak up right away. When someone comes out against Donald Trump, accusing him of sexual assault years ago, when someone comes out against Bill Cosby for being raped years ago, victims of that local priest or other member of the clergy come out 20, 30, 40 years later? It's because there's a stigma to being a victim. There's a fear of retaliation. There's a fear of not being trusted. Think of how small you might feel after such an experience. Think of how powerful your assailant might seem. In some cases, think of how powerful your assailant is. Think of how much more social clout the abuser has. The throngs of support they might have. The army of lawyers they might have. If you're one that assumes every person coming out against someone is looking for a payday or some kind of cash reward, if you're someone that asks, if it was really that bad, or if that really happened, why didn't they come out sooner? Then, you know what? Fuck you. Just, just fuck you, okay? Imagine the worst day of your life. Imagine the most humiliating and degrading moment of your life. It doesn't have to be sexual assault. Maybe it's not even violent. Is it easy for you to talk about? I know people who were pranked in college 20 years ago that still won't admit to being successfully pranked. I heard Bill put Icy Hot in your deodorant. No, that never happened. Fake news. And that's not even 
particularly embarrassing, humiliating, or degrading. It's certainly not a traumatic experience. And it's definitely not the worst thing old Mickey ever experienced. But still, admitting something happened to you can be difficult. Admitting to being a victim of even something so trivial can be difficult. I know at the top of this episode, I had a disclaimer with information regarding rain. But it's worth repeating. If you need help, or if you know someone in need of help, please contact Rain. The number to call is 800-656-HOPE. HOPE is 4673. The website is rain.org. And that's R-A-I-N-N. If I missed something or failed to address something you feel I should have, just go ahead and let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. You don't have to like this show. I'm not sure why you're listening, though, if you don't. But like it or not, you can be nice. I know you can. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can do that by emailing darkdaysofdorothygale at outlook.com. I no longer have a Twitter account, or... X, I guess, if that's what you really want to call it. But you can find me on TikTok, where it's at G. I also appear on TikTok, Instagram, and threads under the identity of at the ordinary sun. That's S-U-N. The Instagram feed has a lot of fun Dark Days-themed artwork. And so does the Dark Days TikTok feed. And of course, if social media isn't your jam, there's always the official Dark Days website, ddofdg.com. If you were a fan of all that Dante stuff I did back in part two of Darker Days, I've compiled a list of all my favorite Dante's Inferno resources. It's got links and brief summaries and reviews of each place. And all that is available on the website as well. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale used to be on Amazon as an ebook, and even in paperback form. But at the time of this recording, the podcast is the only way to experience it. If you would like to support my specific brand of creativity in a more direct and financial way, you can find me at buymeacoffee.com slash ordinary sun. Again, that's S-U-N. If you do, I will send you a personal 
handwritten thank you note, complete with an illustration. I'll even give you a shout out on this pretty obscure podcast if you want. If you don't want to donate to this cause, that's fine too. I'm I'm fine to do this either way. Come back next time for Chapter 61, The First Miracle. Thanks for listening. I love you all.